Do any of you enjoy a good story? I don't mean to be told a good story. I mean to read a good story. Open up a book and read a story. I like to read blogs and articles. They're short. But I do, I do love a good story. I like when a story is written in a way that I can really wrap my mind around something that's well written or well, well told. I particularly, I'm really fond of old books. I enjoy, as a matter of fact, I just finished reading the original Tarzan by Edgar Rice Burroughs. And some of you are like, oh, but I love that because nobody talks like that anymore. And, and it takes about a chapter to really get into it. But the descriptiveness and the, the way they call each other sir all the time. Good sir. You know, and, and it, it shows respect. And just I, the, the way he wrote that particular story and the way he described the jungle and the things, it was like I was there. I finished reading that one by Edgar Rice Burroughs, and now I'm reading Moby Dick by Herman Melville for about the fourth or fifth time. It's just one of those books. I like classics. I just keep going back to it. It's on my iPad, and I'll read through it. And then sometimes it'll take me six months to read through it, because I'll just a little bit at a time. But again, the way it's written, the, the way, the care taken to describe what's going on. I, I grew up reading like Louis L'Amour books, the Western, the Sackets and some of the Western books. I found that I enjoyed a lot of Steinbeck's writings as well. But I have to be honest with you, and you're going to make fun of me for this probably for the rest of my life. One of my favorite absolute authors of all times is Dr. Seuss. <laughs> He's the one that taught me I didn't have to be afraid of words. And see, that was a big deal for a severely dyslexic boy growing up in the 70s when they didn't have teachers and other special people to help you figure that out. And so he, Dr. Seuss, was one of my favorite storytellers. Even when the story didn't make sense. It didn't have to. I could understand it. Yeah, I could read Fox and socks and, and figure it all out. It was okay because Dr. Seuss painted these amazing pictures in my mind as I read one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish, and you all are giggling because you're thinking of those fish lined up. I loved it. And green eggs and ham. Breakfast has never been the same. You know, Dr. Seuss has done some really unique things with words. And no matter how long or how short his book or his story, no matter how many weird ways he chose to rhyme a word, I think if it could be done, he would be able to find a word that rhymes with orange and write a book about it. Dylan thinks he's found some, but I don't think they're real words. We, we did that on a road trip once. And I think this explains this, this fascination with Dr. Seuss. And I have to say this very carefully because, again, you may judge me. But I think it explains why I've always enjoyed reading the parables of Jesus. No, he doesn't tell stories like Dr. Seuss. But he has a way of painting a picture with his words that I can wrap my mind around. Jesus told, and he spoke in parables so that even the most uneducated people could understand what he was talking about. He had a way of breaking things down and painting these pictures with his words. And I appreciate that the common person, the most common person listening to Jesus walked away or had the ability to walk away with a new understanding and even some spiritual growth. 
And I really appreciated the educated and the, the knowledgeable people usually just walked away offended. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good too. But I think there's a lot we can learn from the parables of Jesus. And so that's why this month we are focusing the whole month of September on the secrets of growth. And I'm not talking about physical growth, about filling a room with people. I'm talking about spiritual growth in Christ. I want to fill you with the word of our Lord by looking more closely at some of the, my favorite parables of Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you. I thank you that we can come to this place, that we can open up your word, we can read it, that we can proclaim it, that we can share who you are and we can do it boldly. I pray, Lord, as we, as we look at your words, as we look at the, the parables, the stories that your son told, I pray that we can apply them to our lives so that we may be a better reflection of him. It's in his name we pray. Amen. This morning, we're going to look at a parable. It's the parable of the sower, and it's in Matthew chapter 13. You can go ahead and turn there. But we're also going to look at Mark chapter 4. So I'm going to bounce back and forth a little bit in those two uh, Gospels. Now, as you turn to those passages, I think I should start out this message with a warning. You see, Scripture is very clear, especially in James. It talks about the responsibility that falls on someone who claims to be a teacher of the Word. And that's good. We should never take lightly the responsibility of rightly dividing the Word of God and applying it to our lives and to those around us. That's kind of a big deal. But the secret of growth that I want to share with you today will explain that you as a listener have a responsibility. And this is your warning. You have a responsibility. Hearing the Word of God is a serious matter. It's not something that should be taken lightly. It's not something to be quickly walked away from at 1230 So this is your warning. Watch out and be careful how you hear the Word of God because you have the responsibility to respond to what you hear. And in the parable of the sower, Jesus makes it pretty clear as he paints this word picture of a man, a farmer, if you will, who's planting his crop. And it's not just about somebody tossing seed out to then have a a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich later where he's going to have some fruit. It's how the seed grows. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start with verse 1. Here we go. Scripture says, That day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, and large crowds gathered around him. So he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. He spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on rocky places where they didn't have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Verse 7 says, But others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. Verse 9, He... Who has ears, let him hear. I want to make a quick interjection. In Mark chapter 4, verse 3, Mark says, listen to this. And then he too closes out his account and the parable by saying, he who has ears, let him hear. 
Now, I'm not trying to start a fight between Matthew and Mark. That's not the purpose of looking at these two accounts together. I'm not trying to find loopholes or differences. It's simply they both emphasize Jesus saying the same thing to his audience. He says, listen to me. And I want to say that same thing to you here today. Listen to me. Today, I am the farmer. Right this minute, I am the farmer. I am the sower. I wanted to throw seed out, but then I realized I have to clean it up later. So just pretend that right now I'm throwing out seed. What I'm really throwing out is the Word of God, and that's the seed. And so I am the sower, and the seed that I sow, not just today, but every Sunday, week in and week out, is the Word of God. I come up here and I, I scatter it out. I spread it. I spread the seed of the gospel, and it lands on different types of soil. Uh, by the way, the soil is your heart. I have a new painting up. I've hidden his word in my heart. See, real quick, you have to answer this question and don't answer it out loud because I don't want to embarrass anybody. What are you hiding in your heart? Because I scatter seed, I scatter the gospel seed every week. And, and sometimes it shoots up quick and you walk out, oh, that was a great message. Thanks, Pastor. And then, like by midweek, you're in jail for something. I don't know. Sometimes it, it does that. You make faces, but it's happened. Maybe not here. The point is, what are you hiding in your heart? Because what you're hiding in your heart is going to determine the soil that this seed is about to be scattered upon. I've hidden God's word in my heart. When we refer to heart, I keep reminding you of this because I want to make sure we're always on the same page. It's not, I'm not talking about the romantic heart. I'm not talking about the muscle that's in your chest that pumps blood through your body. But the Hebrew word for heart, I've hidden his word in my heart. That Hebrew word is spelt L-E-B-A-B and it's pronounced Lebob. B-A-W-B. It's kind of a southern word. Lebob. I just taught you Hebrew. It's your inner man, it's your, your inner mind, your will, it's your core. What are you hiding in your core? That's the soil that I'm talking about. And just like in farming, there are different kinds of soil. There's wayside soil, there's rocky soil, there's thorny soil, and there's good soil. And there's only one way to get good soil, brothers and sisters. It's to hide God's Word in your heart. They're all These soils are all a reflection of our hearts. Maybe your heart has gone through all of those places in one day maybe some of you have have you can look back as a christian you can see how your heart started out on these different types of soil it was kind of neat because jesus tells this parable and he and then his disciples have a few questions and they ask him in matthew chapter 13 verse 10 they came and said to him why do you speak to them in parables and jesus answered them to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not hear, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says you will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For the heart, the core, the lay bulb 
of this people has become dull with their ears. They scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. And verse 16 says, But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you, that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And then he says to his disciples in verse 18, Hear then the parable of the sower. He's telling his disciples, listen to me. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. Jesus is going to break it down for us here. Mark explains it in chapter 4, verses 14 through 15. He says, the sower sows the word. Okay? I'm sowing the word to you today. So I'm the sower. I'm sowing the word. And then he says in verse 15, these are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. We call that the wayside soil. And what you need to know Back in this time, back in Palestine, the land was divided into small plots. There were no fences. There were no walls like we have today proper that separate these plots of fields. There were only narrow paths where people, they were accessible to everyone. So wherever your property was, your neighbor's property, there were no fences, just these little walkways. And so the ground in those areas, because everybody is walking on it, the ground is hard. The seed can't possibly take root and grow. Some people are just like that soil. Their hearts, their core is so hardened that even when they hear the message of the kingdom, when they hear the word of God, it's wasted like seed thrown onto a walkway. I'm going to go ahead and and say that that the soil I'm talking about can be found in the hearts of Christians and non-Christians alike. I've met some hard-hearted Christians in my day. I've met some people that will, will hear the word of God and walk out and treat people harshly. It's almost like they hear the words, but they allow their minds to drift off into idleness or something, or they didn't listen, or they would listen to the message like the Pharisees would listen to a message, with a pious and with an arrogance, with pride. I've heard, I've, I've watched Christians listen to messages and turn away and ridicule or scorn. Well, if everybody knew what I know about that preacher, they'd wonder why he'd even preach on something like that walk away with their eyes, turn to someone else. That was a great message. Too bad Sue and Mark weren't here so that that could apply to their lives because I sure didn't need to hear it. What? You see, the heart of the wayside soil, it represents the person whose mind is closed. And truth be told, even as Christians, we come in and out of church, in and out of worship. We come before the throne of God with our minds closed with our eyes shut, and we go through the motions and we leave. We refuse to look. We stop up our ears. We refuse to listen. With our actions, we walk out of here. Sometimes they're like, la, 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 I can't hear you anymore. I got away. It's what we do. Sometimes we refuse to listen. What causes this soil of a heart to become so hardened? In a word, Sin. See, sin, it does this really crazy thing. It sears the conscience and it hardens the heart. It makes us selfish. Sin separates us from God. It separates us from fellowship and accountability with other Christians. 
If you've come to a place where you are realizing that your heart has become wayside soil to the Word of God, it's time to repent. It's time to allow God to begin to restore you. It's not too late. Maybe it's something that was done to you. Maybe it's a choice you made yourself, but either way, it's still sin that separates us, that hardens us, and separates us from God. But then Jesus goes on in Matthew chapter 13, verse 20, and he talks about the rocky soil. He says, The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. I like this guy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. Maybe I don't like him so much now. Let me take you back a couple of thousand years ago. Kind of like, I just want you to, to picture yourself as a spectator following Jesus around. Just as observers. What, what, will, you, what will you see? He's, he's going through a marketplace. People. They're just all around him. Some people even followed Jesus impulsively. And at times, they, they would almost run him over to get to see him. What's wrong with these people wanting to be close to Jesus? Nothing at all. Except that some people accepted him too readily, too quickly. Now, don't misunderstand me. There is no fault in having enthusiasm for the gospel of Jesus Christ or for wanting to be around Jesus. The downside was simply that their faith was shallow. Would you believe that some people back then simply followed Jesus because they were amazed at the signs and the wonders that he did? Not because they wanted to get to know him, not because they wanted to be disciples of him, but they just wanted to see what he was going to do next. I know that sounds crazy that people would come to Jesus for just a dinner and a show, but that's kind of what they would get out of the encounter sometimes. This kind of shallow, rocky soil of the heart it's only good for faith that is an inch deep and a mile wide. This kind of faith is it's outward instead of inward. It's fleeting. It, it happens. I, I've seen it. People accept the gospel message quickly and, I, and it excites me. There's nothing I like to see more than lives changed because of the gospel. And just as fast as, as they pick it up, they set it down and walk away. Eh, easy come, easy go. See, people like that, with, with that rocky soil, they live on the emotional side of the gospel. They tend to, to become absorbed into something, a, a preacher or a program of the church or, 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 or something that's happening for the moment. And when the change comes or a minister moves away or something happens, they just lose faith. And they just set it down. They walk away. I, I want to tell you a secret within a secret. We're talking about the secret of growth. But, but here's the thing. The secret within the secret of growth is... Many people have found this out. It's easy to start out being a Christian. It's easy. But it's not always easy to continue being a Christian. It's easy to run a marathon. It's easy to start a marathon. I'm the type of guy I could say, I, I could start 15 or 20 marathons. Easy. It's not easy to finish a marathon. And it's the same thing. It's easy to say, I accept Jesus. I want him to be my Savior. 
I want the Holy Spirit. I want to be baptized. I want to be different. It's easy to say that. And it's exciting when, when life change happens for people. But unfortunately, sometimes that's where we leave folks and then this happens. But what about thorny soil? Any of you farmers ever had to farm with thorny soil before? Where does that even exist? Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, Jesus says, And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. I like what Mark adds in Mark's account, in Mark chapter 4, verse 19, he says, But the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And some of you just said, now you're meddling, preacher. You see, the thorny soil is the person that hears the word of God, that accepts the word, and then allows the world to get in there and just separate them from God. Listen, if you are so busy with other things that you can't be busy with Christ, then you are in danger of being that thorny soil. I understand, sometimes life gets in the way. Thorns grow up before we know it. That's the thing about thorns. All of a sudden, they're just there. What are the thorns in your life? Jesus explains them as being the cares of the world, the delight in riches, the desire or the lust for other things. And now listen, I'm not saying earthly things are bad in and of themselves. We, we have to pay bills. We have to have a job. We have to, there are certain things we have to have. But we need to understand that good things can occupy your time just as much as bad things can. And that good things can separate you from Christ just as much as bad things can. More often than not, it's the good things that drain our energies and turn our hearts away from Christ. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know what? I'm going to go out and beat somebody up and take their money and treat myself to breakfast. We don't, nobody plans their day that way. It's good things that drain our energies and turn our hearts away from Christ. What you need to hear at this point in the parable is that a thorn is anything that, the crowds, that, that crowds Jesus out of your life, good or bad. And think about this. If it was necessary for Christ to make this point back then, even before Al Gore invented the Internet, this life lesson on thorny soil was needed back then, how much more do we need this warning today? i got to tell you something, folks. We are standing in the danger of being choked to death every day because of the good things we allow into our lives. We allow ourselves to be so busy. We don't have time for our families. We don't have time for prayer. We don't have time for worship. Our lives are encumbered by things like dance and ball and scouts and band and cheer and school and bills, sickness, diseases, work. Even the good things in our life begin to choke out our relationship with God. We cannot serve two masters. You need to understand that the best of farmers cannot grow a healthy crop of wheat and a healthy crop of thorns at the same time. It doesn't happen. One or the other wins out. The good news is the thorns can be weeded out, but only if you're willing to get rid of them. 
So what are the thorns in your life? What are the things that you can see that are separating you from Christ, good or bad? You need to start by identifying them and begin to weed them out of your life one by one. Matthew 13, 23 says, And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. That's good soil right there. Plant one seed and it brings back something a hundredfold. That's good soil. In short, it bears fruit. It shows a yield. What fruit are you producing? Are you producing good fruit in your life? Are you producing fruit like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control? How do you get your heart to be on good soil? It takes time. It takes time spent with God. It takes time in His Word. It takes time in prayer. It takes time in fellowship. It takes time having accountability with other Christians. And so I guess the only thing left to ask is this. What kind of soil are you? Are you wayside soil? Has your heart, has your core been trampled on? Has it been walked on to the point where nothing good will grow there? Is anger your friend? Is resentment something you take comfort in? It's time to start letting those things go. Or you will always be wayside soil. Is it, are you rocky soil? Maybe you sprung up quick in your faith and, and you've kind of hit a wall because something has happened or, or maybe some good-intentioned friend gave you bad advice. You sprang up quick and then you found yourself without discipleship and without accountability and your spiritual growth just kind of dwindled and now you're just kind of going through the motions. Maybe you found that your heart, your core is entangled in the snares and the thorny soil of our world. You've allowed the things of the world to grow up around you and then they're separating you from God. It's time to start pulling the weeds. Good soil is what we all strive for. It's what we need in order to be a good reflection of Jesus Christ. Good soil of the heart doesn't just happen by itself. It happens by hiding God's Word in your heart. It takes work. It takes focus. It takes a desire to follow God's will in your life. It takes a desire to follow His direction. I don't really know what kind of a condition you're in spiritually. But I want to encourage you this morning that if you have found yourself to be in one of these places... As we come to our response time, remember what I said at the beginning. It's also what Mark said at the end in Mark 4.24. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he was saying to them, take care what you listen to. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. And more will be given you besides. You have a responsibility. I have sown a seed. And you have a responsibility as hearers of God's word. Essentially, I could say that my job is done for the day. I've sown the seed of the message of the kingdom. And where it has fallen this morning is really up to you. 
I can't answer that question for you. But if your heart's not on good soil, as we stand for our response time this morning, I pray that you will seek out a way to begin to change the soil of your heart. If you're not sure how to do that, you've got questions, our elders are here. They'd love to pray with you and talk with you. And, and maybe it's as simple as a, as a time of repentance and rededication for you. Maybe you've heard all this for the first time and you think, well, I really need to do something different. I need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life and, and I want to start with baptism and, and I want some better accountability in my life. Maybe that's exactly what you're asking or needing is just accountability in your life. And again, our elders are here. We'd love to start that process with you. But think about where your heart is. Think about, good or bad, what may be separating you from God and how you can put a plan together to begin that restoration between you and God. The only way to fix the soil in your heart is to begin to hide His Word in it every day. Or you're going to walk out of here and be the exact same as you were this morning when you came in. Will you think about that and stand and sing our response song with us and respond to God's Word as He directs you? Welcome. Hey, I say this every week, but I really mean it. I love coming here. This is so much fun. I'm encouraged every time I'm around you all. It's time to go, though. As you go this week, I hope you will go with the thoughts on how to cultivate the soil of your heart so that it can be good soil all the time, so that we're the place where the love of God can grow and reproduce in your life, where we can go being a better reflection of Him. Will you sing this last song with us?